Welcome to the Humanity Matters broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. This is the podcast where we wrestle with the important question, what does it mean to be human? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host of the Humanity Matters broadcast. Hey, today we're discussing, reflecting, as usual, theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. Continue asking this question, what does it mean to be human? So uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, The next couple of uh, episode drops are going to be looking at human dignity and what that involves. And, you know, just before we get started, just want to look at just some of the things that is going on in our con- country. Uh, hey, congratulations to the Toronto Raptors who uh, won their first NBA championship on Thursday night, beating the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors hit a hard uh, patch uh, for this championship run. They lost Kevin Durant, lost Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, the future is uh, going to be a, a tough road for uh, those two players, awesome players. They get back on the road to recovery. Uh, but awesome job to Kawhi Leonard and uh, that crew as they brought a title to the north. I'm sure Drake is uh, just on fire. I know, uh, read on Twitter that he released uh, two tracks to celebrate the championship. I'm sure he had those tracks on deck. Uh, He loves his team. It's good to see that kind of energy and uh, support uh, from a fan coming from a team. You know, I'm a West Coast guy, L.A. Lakers fan uh, since Showtime and Magic and James Worthy and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And then when Shaq and Kobe and then Kobe and even in the hard times, even now with LeBron. But hey, apparently we got Anthony Davis uh, gave up. Ball and uh, Ingram and some draft picks. Uh, the fourth, uh, what we give up in the first round, the fourth pick. So, hey, Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James, they got some uh, work to put in, put in to justify uh, what they gave up. So, hey, let's bring back that showtime. Let's bring another chip uh, to Los Angeles. You know, but with that said, I want to get to our. Uh, topic on today talking about human dignity and if you got a question about uh, our topic hey once you shoot me an email uh, humanity matters podcast at gmail.com that's humanity matters podcast at gmail.com where you can shoot me an email if you got any question if you want to hear me clarify something I'll be looking forward to reading your emails or you can hit me up on Twitter as well. Just find me, Phil Fletcher, or you can always find me on Facebook as well. And so uh, just a thought for your consideration. Uh, and it comes from Eric Hoffer in his book, Temper of Our Time. And he said this, and I quote, a ruling intelligentsia, whether in Europe, Asia, or Africa, treats the masses as raw material to be experimented on processed and wasted at will close quote now this is one of the uh, one of the 
many reasons that I wanted to tackle the topic of human dignity uh, because Eric Hoffer, he hits on a point that there is, you know, in societies, you know, he's pointing out Europe, Asia, Africa, and I would add even here in the United States, there is this, this group, this body of men and women, this intelligentsia uh, that are putting forth information, putting forth research. Uh, they're in our media, on social media, on our news, uh, who are putting forth this idea that uh, the human being, the group of human beings that we're not unique, we're not uh, unrepeatable, uh, we are not uh, distinct individuals, but uh, we are objects, objects that are malleable, objects that can be used. We're like screwdrivers. We're like uh, trash cans, uh, disposable, you know, it's something we're something that can be processed, as Eric says, and used. And then when we're done being used, we're just discarded. And so uh, that's one of the reasons we want to tackle this the subject of human dignity and how it affects us, how it affects our religious uh, beliefs, how it affects business and how it affects politicians, because these spheres of society, these are what we walk in and out of on a daily basis. And we need to have um, somewhere in our mind the reality, the truth that we're not masses of raw material, but that we, we, we are unique persons, uh, unique persons who have been made uh, for a purpose. We have purpose. We have a calling. Uh, we do things in order to better ourselves. We do things in order to better those persons to our left and right. And we take things that are in the creation uh, to make them better. And so I want people to be discerning about the, these forces which seek to take the beauty of the human person and make us into objects. I mean, if you really think about it, this is the sad era of slavery, you know, black bodies in the United States being used as objects. It was the era that caused the horror of Nazi Germany as uh, Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich uh, came up with the final solution and it was rounding up uh, Jews who were living in Germany and disposing of them through the horrors of ovens and gas and concentration camps. It's because they took this idea that these persons were not persons, but they were objects to be disposed of, objects to be used as a scapegoat for some problem in a society, objects to be used to build a nation uh, regarding slavery. Uh, it's the same thing you find in communist Russia. Uh, it was the same thing in the development of eugenics and Margaret Sanger and what is today Planned Parenthood and the aborting of uh, millions of base babies on a daily basis. And so, you know, while many would uh, even try to decry that capitalism functions to use persons as a means to profit, you know, looking at it from an economic sense, uh, we got to think as as well that even socialist systems tend in the other direction to also objectify persons 
in order to uphold a society. And so while some would say that capitalism is running rampant and is using people for, for profit as the end result, uh, if we're not careful, socialism and, cap and communism uses people in order that society, the group, the collective, would be uh, the final uh, end. And so in both of those, uh, once again, the human being is objectified. The human being, as Eric Hoffer said, is being experimented on, processed, and wasted at will. And so we have to be careful. We have to be discerning about this ruling intelligentsia working to dehumanize. And if we're not careful, we're going to be destroyed. And so uh, once again, this is Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters podcast. If you want to send in a question, comment, just send me an email, humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. So how are we defining human dignity? Uh, on the last track, I laid out toward the end uh, the, the working definition that I was going to be using. And so I just wanted to kind of revisit that working definition is that human dignity is the objective reality Men and women are possessing a substantive and it's an active quality, which is common to all persons, regardless of a particular biological, social, economic or ethnic circumstance. All right. Second, human dignity affirms objectively the unique and unrepeatable character of persons who are capable of transcendent relationship and imminent fellowship with other persons to accomplish society, excuse me, to accomplish the individual and group uh, purposes contributing to the common good of the person and society. And so what we're looking at is this, is really three things, is that uh, human dignity involves that we have an objective reality that's substantive, okay? And it's not dependent on our circumstance is not dependent on our biology, is not dependent on our social status, is not dependent on our economic status, our ethnic status, or the circumstance in which we were brought into this world. We have an objective reality substantive, which does not change based on anything else. Uh, second is this, is that we are unique and unrepeatable, and we Third, we have this transcendent and imminent uh, relationship opportunity. And so who's this for? As we head into our break, it's for all of us. It's for faith leaders. It's for those who run a business or some type of organization. And so whether you have a for-profit business or a uh, non-profit business, uh, you know, and finally, it's for politicians or those considering the possibility of serving in the political office this is for all of us. And so, hey, we'll be back in a minute after a word from our sponsor. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Dr. Philip Fletcher with the Humanity Matters podcast, and we are discussing human dignity. And uh, as we're rolling in, I would like to just recommend to you just a couple of resources. One is this book by Martha Nussbaum called uh, Creating Capabilities, excellent book, highly recommended. Uh, another book uh, that I'll be using and referring to is the Bible, um, coming from this from a Christian perspective. Uh, also, I would recommend 
Uh, the book called An Introduction to Personalism is by Rufus uh, Barrow. And it would be some great text to help you understand uh, human dignity and who we are as men and women, children uh, who are made in the image and likeness of God. So that's a good segue into the first part of our understanding of human dignity is that we have an objective, substantive uh, reality that is not impacted by our biology, is not impacted by our social standing, is not impacted by our economics, political voting patterns, uh, the nation in which uh, we're born, or even our ethnicity. Um, who we are as persons um, is the same from conception through life to our point uh, when we go into the grave and even beyond that into uh, the next life. And so uh, when I'm talking about us having objective, substantive uh, reality, what I'm saying is this, is that uh, the human being, uh, this person is a, a reflection of the Trinitarian God, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And so God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they are uh, self-directing. They are creative. They are intelligent. Uh, they demonstrate purpose. Uh, they demonstrate relation, the capacity to have relationship. Uh, they express love. Uh, they express a whole an infinite amount of different characteristics that we find um, within the human being. And so uh, one of the things that is helpful is coming from the compendium of the social doctrine of the church. And this is uh, chapter three, section two, a in question 108, excuse me, statement 108. It says this, and I quote, therefore being in the image of God, the human individual possesses the dignity of a person who is not just something, but someone close quote. So we are not something. We are not toothbrushes or combs or mirrors or screwdrivers or spoons. Okay. Those are tools to be used by human beings Rather that we are someone and the reason that we are someone, the reason that we are a person is because we reflect a supreme personality, that being God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so Father, Son and Holy Spirit, God uh, said in the Jewish scriptures, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter one, and you can see this in Genesis chapter one, 26 and 27 God said, let us make man, humanity, in our image and likeness. And what we can see before that is a God that speaks, uh, because in Genesis 1, we see that God uh, speaks the universe into existence. Uh, we see a God who has purpose as well, because um, he establishes uh, the sun as a greater light and the moon as a lesser light and the stars. And so those uh, objects are used to provide uh, warmth, uh, as we know from the sun, to provide light. Uh, we know from the moon that it has an impact on the, uh, the movement of the oceans. And so God is establishing these things uh, for a purpose, but that also demonstrates 
He as God, as a person, has purpose. And so when he says, let us make man in our image and likeness, we're made in his image and likeness. But guess what? We have purpose as well. And so as you read further on, uh, the supreme personality who is God, who has purpose, makes man and woman in his image and likeness. And so we bear his image. And so we are persons, but we have purpose as well. What purpose is that? Well, you read later to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion, to subdue the earth, to be good stewards. As N.T. Wright um, wrote that we are to be uh, God's vice regents, taking care of not only one another, but also this creation. And so we have purpose. And so uh, we are not something, but we are someone. And God making us in his image and likeness, it predated any type of economic system. It predates any type of social stratification, ethnicity, uh, circumstance, uh, from that very beginning, man and woman are are stamped, if you will, with God's Imago Dei. Okay, and that's we hear me refer to that often. Uh, that we're made in God's image. We are the Imago Dei, and so uh, with that, we also learn is that just as God is in relationship, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, as the supreme personality, when God makes man and woman, man is not made to be alone. Woman is not made to be alone. But what we understand that as persons, persons are made to be in relationship with one another. Think about that for a second. We are reflections of the supreme personality. The Supreme Personality is in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Imago Dei that is stamped in us as human beings. We too reflect God in seeking to be in relationship. And so we have these relationships uh, as husband and wives. We have these relationships as sons and fathers. We have these relationships as mothers and daughters and mothers and sons and fathers and daughters. We have these relationships as friends. We also see that we can have these relationships in our business settings, um, in our nonprofit settings. We can have these relationships um, in per with persons that we live next door, uh, one another with. And so within us, not only is purpose, we have this purpose reflecting the supreme personality who is God, but we also have this desire to be in relationship. Why? Because it's reflecting, again, the supreme personality who is God. And so that's the first point about us having a uh, an objective reality that is not dependent on, it is not moved by, it is not diminished nor enhanced because of how much we have. Uh, the color of our skin, how we vote, what country that we live in. Um, we are reflections of a supreme personality. We are persons uh, made in the image and likeness of God. And so that is 
this objective reality, this substantive reality that I am speaking about. So once again, this is Humanity Matters Podcast. If you got a question or want to send me a comment, just email me at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. So as we move into the second part, it is that we are unique and unrepeatable. I love this part of the definition that we are unique and unrepeatable. And so on one level, we all share something. We all share the image of God. Regardless of where we're born, regardless of our economic situation, uh, we share the image of God. We share as well that we have purpose, that we desire to be in relationship. We have some level of creativity, intelligence, a desire to pursue knowledge, uh, to take things that are in creation and, I don't know, put them together. And so you may be a Pinterest type or a construction type. I like to make Legos and so I like to uh, build those. You may be someone who uh, likes to paint. And so um, that's in us as well. And it's expressed in different ways. But secondly, is that we are unique and unrepeatable. I love that. Do you understand that there is never going to be anybody like you? And do you understand prior to your birth, there was nobody like you? So on one level, all humanity is unique. We're the highest of creation. All right. We have an intelligence, a creativity, a drive uh, that is different than animals, different than insects, uh, different than the, the bugs that we can't see, the life that we can't even see in the ocean. We are unique, but we're also unrepeatable individually. There will never be another Philip DeMond Fletcher. There's a Philip Lee Fletcher and there's a Philip Nicholas Fletcher, but there is a uniqueness about Philip Lee Fletcher, a uniqueness about Philip DeMond Fletcher, and a uniqueness about Philip Nicholas Fletcher. Philip Lee is my father. Philip Nicholas is my son. And so it's good to understand that each and every one of us is an I. Another book I would recommend to you is uh, I Vow by Martin Buber, um, Jewish uh, uh, theologian, and he talks about the concept of the I vow, uh, this beautiful idea that we are subjects and that when one person interacts with another person, this should be a subject interacting with another subject. And when each subject seeks to understand one another, when each subject recognizes that uh, they are made um, in this Imageness of God, when each subject is uh, empathetic uh, with one another, Martin Buber describes that in in a in a very uh, time limited situation that these subjects experience an I thou relationship that two subjects are interacting together, and so what does this mean for each and every one of us? Is that um, I, by myself, am a subject. And even in my household, I am my individual 
I am an individual subject. When I move outside my household and when I am working in my uh, nonprofit, I'm working with 12 other individual subjects, persons who are unique and unrepeatable. Yes, we are a group, but this group is made up of individual eyes, quote unquote. Using the language of Martin Buber, we are subjects interacting with one another. We are not seeking to be uh, a subject that treats another subject as an object. That's dehumanization. That is uh, what Eric, uh, um, his name skips me right now. I just forgot him. Okay, just give me a second. Eric uh, Hoffner uh, warns us about, about the ruling intelligentsia. Uh, no, we are subjects interacting with one another. Unique, unrepeatable subjects. And so it's important that we remember, okay, it's not our intelligence that defines us as subjects. It's not even our consciousness that finds us as subjects. It's not our uh, what we have or don't have that defines us as subjects. No, we are subjects from the very beginning. We're unique, unrepeatable subjects. And you just think about that for a second. When I go into my workplace, when I'm developing policy from a legislator, from leading a group of people, Ask yourself this. Am I looking at them as objects to be used to achieve a purpose or am I looking at them as subjects? Am I looking at them as the the why of what I do? And I've been challenged by this uh, in a book I'm reading called Everybody Matters that I referred to you uh, last uh, week is that in our organizations, briefly, I'll, I'll say this to my business leaders and, and nonprofit leaders, the people are the why of your organization and business. The program or the item that you're selling is the what. And so I've been challenged by that to, to continually look at, am I looking at the people in my organization as the why and the programs that we do as the what? And if I'm looking at them as the why first, then more of my energy, more of my patience, more of my listening must be directed at them. And then as such, the programs will take care of themselves. And this is all coming out of the fact that uh, men and women are unique and unrepeatable. We are subjects, free human beings made in the image and likeness of God. And we should have respect for one another, not as objects, cars are objects, toothbrushes are objects, but have respect for one another as subjects. Think about that as subjects. And so uh, finally, looking at uh, the third part of our definition is that we are seeking to be in relationship. We are seeking to be in relationship. And what I mean by that is this, is that as men and women, 
made in the image and likeness of God, who are unique and unrepeatable. Within us is this pursuit to be in relationship. We have this, this desire to be in relationship with those whom we see on a daily basis. Whether that's in work, we're developing relationships. If you're in a religious setting, you're developing relationships. Even if you're not interacting with a human being, but you have a pet, whether it's a dog or a cat or a fish or, or whatever animal, you're seeking to cultivate a relationship. Now, the highest type of relationship that human beings can have is with one another. And I'm, I'm just thinking uh, human to human. We'll get to a transcendent in a second. Um, and so the, the penultimate relationship is healthy relationships between persons who are looking at one another as subjects, who are not treating one another as objects, but are looking at one another and using their vocation or calling, their skills and talents to better themselves individually, but then also to take those skills and talents, that education, that knowledge, that experience to improve the life of the subject that is right next to them, who works with them or who lives next door to them or works out with them or is worshiping with them. But the ultimate relationship and Augustine talks about this is that our hearts are restless until uh, we find our rest in God. And, and, and what that is speaking to is going back to the very beginning is that we are seeking to find our rest of our hearts, of our minds, of our bodies, of our whole person in the arms, in the presence of the supreme personality who made our person, and that is God. And so when we're talking about affirming human dignity, what we're talking about is this, is that we want to affirm the reality that men and women are reflections of a supreme personality who is God. And we are affirming that dignity by the decisions that we're making that we are not diminishing a person because of what they look like, how much they have or don't have, how they vote, or what country they come from. Secondly, we're affirming human beings, the person, their dignity, as we acknowledge that each and every one of us is a subject who is unique, who brings something outstanding, if you will, to the table as a contribution uh, to their immediate context, but in to a larger extent, the society. And then thirdly, we're seeking to affirm the reality of relationships, that we are seeking to affirm uh, the existence of relationships that are to be cultivated between human beings that are healthy that are nurturing, that are above all loving, uh, that is full of what many have called goodness, beauty, and truth. But the ultimate relationship is that human beings would find their rest in the Trinitarian God. And so that's human dignity. And so I just want to leave 
uh, everybody. Well, it's just a couple of thoughts about things that are just really just uh, going on in our uh, country today. I was um, doing some research and I was looking up uh, just some thoughts about what others have said about human dignity. And uh, Glenn Lowry, he gave a lecture titled Descent on uh, the Pseudo Life, Pseudo Life at at Brown University, and he kind of uh, hits on the aspect of uh, the diminishment of uh, human dignity. And, and I read from here, and I quote, what we in the United States have failed to recognize, not merely as individuals, I stress, but as a political community, is that these ghetto enclaves and marginal spaces of our cities are products of our own making precisely because we do not want those people near us. We have structured the space in our urban environment, as was revealed by the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans last year, so as to keep them away from us. Then when they fester in their isolation and their marginality, we tut, 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 hypocritically point a finger saying, in effect, look at those people. They are a threat to the civilized body. They must be expelled, imprisoned, controlled. It is not we who must institute responsible social reforms, but they who must embrace personal responsibility. It is not we who must set our social affairs right, but they must get their individual acts together. What are we learning here? There is this us versus them mentality, okay? Uh, we've put these individuals in a certain living community. Okay, they're over there. There, There's some problems that are going on. Okay, we have put them in there, but we're then saying they have to solve it. It's their responsibility. It's not our responsibility. And so that is a, a diminishment. Uh, that is not affirming the dignity of human beings. As soon as we set up an us versus them, an other categorization, we are effectively saying that you are as a person are less than because you live in this zip code or you live on these streets or the neighborhood you live in because it's this way you and everyone that lives there are this way. That should not be the case. If we are affirm human dignity in areas where there is trouble, where there is um, social problems, economic problems, then what we should do is first affirm the dignity and worth of those individuals, recognize uh, that they are persons who are unique and unrepeatable, who have value and who have worth, and then sit with them because we're united together, develop relationships with them, and then move forward together in order to come up with some solutions. And, uh, you know, the second thing that I found was a very um, touching article uh, coming out of uh, California. And this is, once again, looking at the affirmation of human dignity in terms of our relationships with one another. And so a uh, journalist, Drew Kahn, uh, he chronicles uh, Smith and Lacey. Smith uh, killed Lacey's daughter 
1997. Mr. Lacey um, was living in Southern California and received information, uh, a 911 text, as Mr. Khan describes it, that uh, Mr. Lacey's daughter had been killed in a shooting and it was done by uh, Mr. Smith. And so Mr. Smith uh, was in prison in San Quentin. And then uh, Mr. Smith and Mr. Lacey sat down where Mr. Lacey forgave Mr. Smith for the murder of his uh, daughter. This was huge. The father recognized that he could no longer withhold forgiveness from this man. And so Mr. Lacey demonstrated what it means to be a human being by forgiving someone who created a great chaos in his life and the life of his family. And I found that to be a great expression of what it is to affirm human dignity in terms of relationships between human beings. And so I hope you have enjoyed this uh, episode as we've looked at uh, human dignity in general. Uh, Join us uh, next week as we drop another track as we look at human dignity and how it relates to uh, faith. That's going to be a big thing. Uh, We're going to continue to dig into the Christian scriptures, but also look at how human dignity is expressed in other uh, religious uh, faith uh, groups as well. And so uh, come with an open mind, but with a gate on, as I like to say. Um, Listen, learn, question. And if you have a question for me in this podcast, once again, just hit me up at Humanity Matters Podcast at gmail.com. That is Humanity Matters Podcast at gmail.com. I appreciate everybody joining uh, me today. And as always, if we were, if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. This has been Humanity Matters Podcast, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org, or you can shoot us an email, leave us a comment, email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on YouTube under Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, We can do the impossible.